Welcome to Bad Axe Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Blinka. And I'm your co-host, Aaron. Bad Axe is brought to you by the Podmoth Media Network. Check out Podmoth for more great podcasts. If you want to support Bad Axe and get access to lots of bonus episodes, visit our Patreon at patreon.com backslash Pod. There is a link in our show notes. Memberships start at just $1 and you can binge several months worth of bonus episodes. And trust me, they are very, very interesting. Additionally, you can support the show for free by leaving us a review and recommending us to your friends. I just realized I actually wrote to a fiend. So, uh, it is Halloween though. Ha. So, maybe do recommend us to fiends. There you go. Ha. Ha ha. Ha ha. All right. Now, on to our case. Uh, I say that, but I also want to note that I do have kind of like a hoarseness going on. I don't know if you can hear that. Apparently, I'm mildly sick again. I have a couple of little problems going on, but I'm getting better, so it's fine. Today, for our case, we are going to Austin, Texas in 2014. Fun fact, I was just in Austin this weekend. That's right. I had two murder mystery shows there. As those of you who've been listening for a while will probably know, I work for a murder mystery company as one of my jobs, doing murder mystery shows, and we are super busy this month. That's why I'm sick. (laughs) Just being honest, and we I had two shows in Austin this weekend. So I was kind of like getting into the vibe, right? Uh, I actually did not intend on doing this case as our last case of October, but I realized the one I had picked out for Halloween week, because it's kind of Halloween week, right, was actually not one that was occurring on Halloween. It occurred a few weeks later, and I just misread, like, the initial stuff. I kept saying, like, Halloween time murder, but it wasn't. And I wanted to stick with our theme. So I found us another Halloween murder just at the last minute. And it turned out I got us a very interesting case. That was also almost local because Austin is very close to Houston. It's like two and a half hours away. Yep, there you go. Austin is the capital of Texas, which most of you might know because Texas is in the news a lot. Hmm. A lot of times for stuff happening at our capital, as go. it turns out. A lot of hot things happening here in Houston. That's I mean, right. in Texas, rather. In addition to being the capital of Texas, Austin is the fourth largest city in Texas, having almost a million residents. The city's motto is keep Austin weird because it's been a magnet for artists and free spirits. However, that's not all that goes on in Austin. And in my experience in current day Austin is not the main vibe that's going on over there anymore. It's also a tech hub, which kind of dominates a lot of the space And it's also a great place to go hiking, which I think might be the best thing about Austin because the natural aesthetic is really, really beautiful, especially for Texas. It's one of the things that made me the most furious when we were watching the 911 uh, Lone Star version (laughs) that takes place in Austin because they do a terrible job of representing Austin. They make it sound like it's like really countryfied and it's not. It's so urban and even with like the natural areas, it's like 
and it's just really gorgeous. There's a lot of hill country and all that jazz. Like the, one of the shows that we did this weekend, we were driving up like the hills it was just like driving in the mountains of Colorado, just being honest. Like they're not as high, but it's the same feeling of elevation. Like you're going up this like really steep embankment. It's just you start out lower because Texas is so low in general. Yeah. Just saying. So it's a really lovely place to be. I personally, as a Texan, have had mixed feelings about Austin because I know so many people in my life who have hyped it up so hard as being like the end all of cool places to live. And I used to live in a city called Beaumont that people like to call Bormont because some people think it's not very fun, even though I personally had a wonderful time living there. I went to a lot of art events. There's local theater. There's really cool parks. The library system is kick-ass. So if you're interested in just like getting out of your house and finding the things that you like, you'll have tons of fun. But if you are not good at looking for stuff, you will probably be bored. A lot of people there that were bored would talk about how they would just move to Austin and then they could finally blossom and be the butterfly that they always knew they were inside. And I don't think it works that way. However, I would live there because I'm good at finding stuff. So there you go. Go team. Go team. And also just being real about the hiking. I really love hiking and just 10 out of 10. Anyway, there is a lot to love about the city of Austin. And I think that's true about most cities. And that is where we are going today for our case. During Halloween 2014, 43-year-old Kelly Turner was staying in her friend Jancy Darling's home. Darling shared her home, located in the 5200 block of McCarty Lane, which is in southwest Austin, with her boyfriend, Michael Hammond. Turner grew up in Austin and even graduated from the University of Texas in 1995. So she was basically a local who had just sort of moved off. Um, This was her hometown, if you will. Yeah. And I did put on here that after I wrote that she went to UT, that you went to A&M. So I believe that you are contractually obligated to boo right now. So I'll turn it over to you um, for your A&M boo. Boo. Technically, Aggies hiss when they're when they don't like something, but I'm not doing okay. that. Okay, <laughs> okay, I'm learning new things. Look, look, A and M has a lot of weird lore that and stupid traditions that they do. No offense to Aggies that are listening. That's why I booed like a normal person instead of hissing. But just as a footnote, Aggies <laughs> Aggies do a hissing business. It's it's very weird. I'm constantly learning new facts about this yeah. Aggie situation. Yeah. Facts you never wanted to know about Aggieland. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, anyway, after graduating from UT, Kelly moved to California to begin her adult life, settling in the Bay Area. Then, in 2001, she took a job as a flight attendant for Southwest Airlines, a job that she excelled at. Everyone who knew Kelly says that she had a kind heart and liked helping others. Sometimes that attracted her to people who might not be the best for her. In October 2014, she'd come to Texas to spend time with her family, but Kelly hadn't come to Austin alone. Kelly had brought along her new boyfriend, 53-year-old Joseph Frederick Carr. Carr was a weapons maker that Kelly had met back in the Bay Area. He actually owned his own business called Bohemian Blacksmith. He handmade knives and swords as well as shields. He called himself an artist and sculptor. Kelly started dating Carr in June 2014, and their relationship was growing more serious. So, 
Kelly decided to bring Carr with her to Austin to introduce him to her family and all of her old friends. People who met Carr over that Halloween weekend said that nothing seemed off about the couple. He was very quiet, but some people are just introverted, so people just chalked it up to this. I know a lot of quiet people, so I get it. Kelly and Carr shared a dinner with her family on Wednesday, October 29th, 2014. Kelly's sister, Barbara Shannon, talked about this dinner with KVU News. She said, quote, That was the last time we were together. I didn't pick up on anything that disturbed me. I noticed he was quiet. He was very quiet, unquote. No one could have imagined that it'd be the last time they'd all be happy together. Kelly and Carr were still staying with Jancy Darling and Michael Hammond on Halloween weekend 2014. That year, Halloween occurred on a Friday. On Halloween night, the couples went out for a night of partying. Since they're a bit more grown up, this party night was a bit more sophisticated than some Halloween nights out. It was a very grown up Halloween. They all dressed up in costumes and met up with a third couple to go out on the town. They started at a Tex-Mex restaurant called Mike's El Rancho, which I have been to. Nice. It's very delicious. And I looked it up just to make sure I have been there. Super tasty. And it's like a total hot spot that you have to go to if you're in Austin. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. It reminds me of a local restaurant that we like because the family that started it, it was started by like a couple. The husband has like pictures of himself boxing <laughs> on the website like from olden times. Like I think the original couple, um, I believe might have passed away by now because they were, this was like a long time ago. But... I could be wrong, but they have him like in his boxing outfit. And I've noticed that's like a thing at Tex-Mex restaurants in Texas. For some reason, there's like a lot of the dudes are like, it's me boxing. Look, I'm shirtless. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's weird. But anyway, yep. so they were at this Matt's El Rancho Tex-Mex restaurant. After dinner, the couples continued their night at Moon Tower Saloon. Ooh. Yeah. Now the Moon Tower Saloon is a bar that has a lot of outdoor seating at picnic tables And you can also bring your dog there, so it's kind of like hipster. It's a very casual place that has kind of a rustic cowboy vibe. And I I am ashamed to say it did a little bit remind me of some of the scenes of, once again, 9-11 Lone Star. This might be the only bar that they had seen, maybe. Yep, could be. And it definitely, though, has more of like a grown-up vibe for a bar because it's very chill and people are just like, you can wear anything, you can sit outside, you can relax. It's not as, like, music and fun and, like, smoky and all that jazz. Although, there's not a lot of smoky bars here in Texas because we can't have cigarettes inside. Which is nice because I'm allergic to them. So, I can be inside now. So, yay. Yay. Perfect. Even though this bar is a pretty chill place, Carr and Kelly weren't having a relaxing holiday night out. Instead, Carr kept starting fights with her. Darling told the court that Carr was, quote, just making her night miserable, unquote. Carr didn't like Kelly spending time with her friends. He kept trying to separate her from them, keeping her all to himself. Obviously, this didn't work well for Kelly because she had come to Austin to see her friends, whom she had not seen in a very long time. So it's kind of crap that he's keeping her away from them. Yeah, it's a red flag. The Sticks friends stayed at the bar until around midnight, at which point they headed home. Kelly Turner and Joseph Carr went home with Jancy Darling and Michael Hammond. In the early hours of November 1st, 2014, 
Jancy and her boyfriend climbed into bed, settling down for a night of rest in the darkness of their bedroom. They assumed that Kelly was tucking in with her new boyfriend, Carr. At least, that is what Jancy thought. But then, about an hour after the couple went to bed, a scream pierced the night. According to Jancy Darling, this is how she described the scream. Quote, it's terror. It's horror. It's pain. Unquote. Wow, that's an evocative mm-hmm. quote. And in her court testimony, she said that she had never heard a human make that sound before. That's crazy. She knew that something horrible was happening, so she jumped out of bed. And Darling grabbed her phone to call 911 while her boyfriend, Michael, retrieved his gun. Which is so Texas. Texas. Like, I just have to be honest. When I was reading this, I was like, yep. Yep. That sounds like Texas. Yep. Because that's how we roll over here. Like, it, it doesn't even matter what political affiliations you have. Unless you are Beto O'Rourke, you probably have a gun somewhere in your house. Or, like, all your family members do. It's, <laughs> there's a lot of guns over here. Yeah. Here at Bad, Bad Axe, we take kind of a definitely we need to do something better with the guns uh, approach. Aaron's a little more like boo guns than I am. That's true. I'm, I'm very pro personal protection guns because, again, I was raised in Texas. And uh, for personal protection purposes, you know, they could be good. I'm just saying. I'm not saying that we should have, like, military guns in people's houses. But, like, this guy's got a pistol. And he's about to self-protect himself, too. So be prepared for it. Downstairs in the Darling home, Carr was actually stabbing Kelly to death. So while Darling called for help, Michael ran toward the screams, his gun ready. In her 911 call, Darling whispered to the dispatcher, quote, There is blood. Please come. Please come. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Hurry, hurry, hurry. I don't know what is going on. Unquote. Meanwhile, Hammond paused on the stairs. Downstairs, he heard a struggle. He says that he heard Carr grunt and whine, I love you. Suddenly, Carr appeared at the bottom of the staircase. Wow, that sounds like a horror movie. Oh, it does. So, Michael Hammond is at the top of the staircase holding his pistol and then Carr appears at the bottom. And it's a chilling sight because Carr starts pacing back and forth at the bottom of the staircase. And he's holding a freaking knife. And he's mumbling something to himself. And blood is just all over his shirt. Yikes. So Hammond pauses. He's not going all the way down at this point. He's watching. And Carr literally stops in front of the staircase. And at some point during this mumbling, Hammond says that he heard Carr say, quote, I can't believe I fucking killed her. Jesus. Yeah, so he's, at this point, assured that Carr has just committed murder, especially because he has a bloody knife and a bloody shirt. Be serious. Yeah, for real. So he's standing there with his gun, and Carr starts walking up the stairs, still holding the knife. That's scary. Absolutely scary. All crazy. Yeah, that's terrifying. thankfully, Hammond had his pistol, so he points it at Carr And he yells, stay down, like stay downstairs. Yeah. And fortunately for both men, Carr did stay downstairs and he stopped. And at that point, he just walked away and started rummaging around looking for Hammond's keys. Now, Hammond doesn't know what he's doing. All he knows is he's doing something crazy. So he stays on the staircase with his gun and Carr gets the keys and goes and gets in the car And before help or police or anyone can arrive, Carr stole Hammond's Toyota FJ Cruiser SUV and then drove off into the night. 
Wow, okay. I mean, that's better than, like, getting shot or getting stabbed. Yeah, legit. So, I mean, obviously we need more gun safety situations in our country. A lot more gun safety and background checks, etc. But this gun may have saved Hammond and or Jancy Darling from getting stabbed by car. I'm just saying, he went to the bottom of the staircase for a reason. He stabbed his girlfriend and then he goes to the bottom of the staircase. What was he doing? Was he going to go up there and try to stab them? He thought they were sleeping. That's true. So I'm just throwing that out there. And maybe in this one case, please don't dislike me. Please don't leave us a negative review because you hate guns. We're not saying yay to all guns. I'm saying in this situation, I feel like this gun was a good thing. Also, it may have saved his life. That is my Texas (laughs) coming out. I'm just saying. (laughs) Once Carr was gone, Hammond went downstairs. In the kitchen, Kelly Turner lay deceased on the floor, bleeding from stab wounds. Police officers responded to the call at around 1 a.m. on Saturday, November 1st. As soon as they got to the driveway, officers saw signs of something wrong. Blood droplets ran down the driveway. When they got to the door, Michael Hammond met them, and in the home's entry rate, police noted more bloodstains. Hammond walked them to the kitchen to show them Kelly's body, still laying in a pool of blood. Officers documented stabbing and cutting wounds to her body, She was already deceased at that point, and they declared her dead at the scene. Later, the medical examiner, Dr. Catherine Callahan, counted 37 total wounds on Kelly's body, some from cutting and some from stabbing. She was stabbed in her back, chest, abdomen, and hand. Some of the wounds to her hands and arms were defensive wounds, which was a sign that Kelly had fought back. Which is good. Yeah, I mean, it's always good when people fight back, but at the same time, it's not like, you know, she still died. I don't know. It's just good to, to see somebody that, you know, I don't, I don't know, I guess put, I, up a, put up a fight. I guess I it's, like, know. nice that it wasn't easy for him. Right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's where I'm going with it. Located on the edges of your radio static, you've stumbled upon the Lost Signal, your podcast destination for tales of horror and the macabre, brought to life with voice acting and sound effects. New episodes are released every two weeks on Monday on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Join us, won't you? Police immediately began searching for Carr, who was the main suspect in Kelly's murder. Their search wouldn't take that long. First, they located Hammond's SUV abandoned in a nearby county, which is called Hayes County. Although Carr wasn't in the vehicle, they did start searching the county for him and they were able to locate him fairly easily. They found him lying in a field in Hayes County later that afternoon. He had self-inflicted wounds to his neck, 
where he tried to slice it open. Ooh. Yeah. However, he was still alive and wielding a knife. Police surrounded him and attempted to negotiate his surrender. However, he didn't plan on giving in. Now, for a while, we have the situation where this man, who has just committed a murder, is threatening the police with the knife, and they just sort of, like, sit out there, which I'm not against. I'm just saying they're able to do it at some times. Maybe, maybe other times they don't need to always fire, like, immediately. Yep. Because, like, I think we've all heard a lot of stories about the police shooting people. A lot of times they're people of color, and they just shoot for no reason or because this person looked scary because racism. Or whatever reason that they decide they need to shoot this person. And a lot of times they're not even armed. In this case, he's literally armed. I'm not saying they should have shot him. I'm just saying that they should also not shoot any of the other people. Yep. Especially the people who are not even committing any crimes. There you go. This guy at least had committed a crime. That's right. Although, again, not that I'm saying they should have shot him. Yep. Okay. Because I'm not, I'm not pro that. So, at some point, though, they said it looked like he was stabbing himself in the chest and at that point, police did pelt him with some bee bags to incapacitate him while they took him into custody. Now, police arrested him and took him to a hospital for treatment before they brought him to jail. And in his mugshot, you can actually see the stitched up wounds to his neck. And it is extremely graphic. Like, he really got in there. Wow. Like, I'm surprised that he lived, to be fair. Because he has, like, a lot. Like, he was swiping back and forth with the blade is what it looks like. Because he has, like, giant stitches like, on both sides of his neck in, like, multiple areas where he had made slices. Man, that's gruesome. Yeah, so I guess maybe it's a lot harder to cut your own throat than you would think. Apparently so, yeah. Yeah, because it didn't look like a superficial attempt. I mean, it se- it feels like he had to have, like, meant it. He just, like, somehow didn't do it. Yeah. The district attorney charged Carr with first-degree murder, and a judge set his bail at $2 million dollars. Which is kind of awesome. Yep, that's a lot of money. Yeah, I say that because obviously bail should be fair. But here in Houston, I think we've mentioned this before, we were having a bail crisis where all of these murderers, alleged murderers keep getting out on these really low bells and then murdering more people. And it's becoming a whole thing. That's right. Yeah, and so seeing $2 million, I'm just like, so they can set high bells for murders, alleged murders. <laughs> and yep. And, like, notice this guy didn't pay bail and then go kill more people. I'm just throwing that out there. That's right. Like, Harris County courts. <laughs> if convicted of this crime, he would face life in prison. Carr went on trial in August 2016, and at his trial, prosecutors argued that Carr attacked Kelly while enraged. That he just got so angry about her seeing her family and neglecting him that he just lost it and just stabbed her to death. That was their crime theory. Man, that's fucked up, though. Yeah. However, the defense decided to go in a whole nother way. Uh, They got a little bit creative and decided that, you know, it wasn't his fault. How was that exactly? Because he decided that he was going to claim self-defense. How? Well, you see, Aaron, as you know, there was blood all over Carr, and his blood was mixed with... Kelly's blood all over the hallway, the driveway, and the murder weapon. So he had to say something. He couldn't just say he didn't do it because his blood is everywhere. Yeah. Like all their DNA is mixed together. Right. So he actually testified at his own trial, which is rare in a murder trial. Yeah. And he claimed that Kelly was attacking him. 
So buckle up, people, because be prepared for this story is going to make you feel mad. Yep. In his version of events, Carr went downstairs to get a drink of water, innocent-like, and Kelly followed him. She was upset with him for going downstairs and demanded to know why he came to the kitchen. You know, like all rational people do. Yeah, exactly. When he didn't give her an answer she liked, he claims Kelly said, quote, Don't argue with me or I'm going to kill you, unquote. In a threat that sounds legitimate. Yeah. I want to be clear that was sarcasm. I know. Yeah, yeah because that sounds stupid. Yeah, it sounds really stupid. She also allegedly said, according to him, quote, Look at me when I'm talking to you or I'm going to kill you, unquote. Um, and I actually put in brackets under that, that did not happen. Yeah, for People real. do not talk like that. Yeah. I'm not saying that she didn't say, don't argue with me. That sounds like a legitimate statement. Yeah. Or also, look at me when I'm talking to you also might be a legitimate statement. Yep. But nobody's, I'm sorry, nobody says they're going to kill you after that. Unless nope. they're absolutely batshit crazy. And there's no indication that, that she was. Being a flight attendant, they would have noticed. You have to get, like, psychological tests, I think, for that job. But also, you can't be you can't be crazy and be on a plane interacting with people. Like, people would say something. I'm just throwing that out there. She clearly does not have problems. Nobody said she did. Yeah. Except for him with his insane story. Yep. Next, after this, Carr says that Kelly hit him in the chest with a knife. That's what he said. She hit him in the chest with a knife and began attacking him. I don't even know how you hit somebody in the chest with a knife. Just, like, the side of it? Like, how yeah. do you even... Is that, like, a threat of some sort? Like, she didn't say... He didn't say stab. He said hit her... Hit him in the chest. Yeah, that sounds weird. I feel like it might just be that he was trying to explain why he had, like, not that many wounds. Yeah. He claims that he put his hands up when she did that, though. Like, no, baby. Like, he's just so innocent, you know? Like, I'm not gonna hit a woman kind of thing. Right. Yeah, because that's what people do when people hit them with knives. Yeah. Then... At that point, she somehow stabs him. He uses the word stab, but he doesn't explain how that happened. He says that at this point, while she hit him with the knife slash maybe stabbed him, he managed to grab the knife from her, but then she just started hitting him with her hands. So she's just like wailing on him in this version of events. And as she attacked him, she allegedly screamed and grunted like an animal. In his fear and pain, Carr claims that he blacked out. Like oh, all the murderers, yeah. I know. He blacked out. Barf. Barf. So cliche. He blacked out and only came to when he saw Hammond on the stairs with the gun. Apparently, seeing someone else pointing a weapon at you is what wakes you up from your blackout. Convenient. From your pain. Yes, convenient. Your fear. Your fear blackout. The the gun, not scary. That reverses fear. Yeah. But the knife that your girlfriend maybe hit you with, that causes the fear. Yeah. So that's that's how that works in case we have previously established in a prior Bad Axe episode that guns are scarier than knives. That's correct. Yes, as much as I support guns for self-protection in, limit, in like limited ways of which are safe for the public, I also believe that they are a lot scarier than knives. Yeah. And we, all, we have walked through multiple scenarios where guns shoot you from far away. That's right. But knives, you have to be like right there. That's true. Also, you can fight off a knife. That's also true. And knives, if they stab you, depending on where they stab you at, you might not die. But guns, it's, they cause a lot more damage. You might bleed to death faster. And depending on where they stab, they, they shoot you, that's like sometimes an instant death. That's true. Just throwing that out there. Absolutely. There were other reasons, I feel like. But 
the scientific study that we conducted uh, um, between just ourselves, it's not based on science at all. Uh, we have determined that, that guns are, in fact, scarier than knives. So I have a problem with his depiction of this fear reaction. Yeah, there's a lot also, of problems. Also, just, there's a lot of problems with the story. But, like, that part, I was like, aha! At that point, after he, you know, wakes up because the gun gets him out of his fear somehow, um, he he says that he did not actually say anything that Hammond said. He said Hammond's story was totally a lie. Instead, he claims that he said, quote... Please help me. She tried to kill me. I don't know what's going on. Please help. I need your help badly. I'm injured. She's injured. We're suffering. Help us. Unquote. And at that point, he fled the house in fear for his life. Yeah. All of that is bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you also, you couldn't see this listening, but when I said in fear for his life. There were some air quotes. I air quotes around it. Just because I really hate it. It, it really makes me upset whenever people blame the victim for their murders. It very much upsets me. And I feel like that is what he is doing. And oh, yeah. I realize that he has to say something to defend himself. This is just terrible. It's an unbelievable story. And I don't understand how anyone believes it unless maybe it's his close family who are in denial. But y'all. Yeah. it's That it's doesn't a, even make sense. Yeah. It's an obvious lie. And it's really just insulting that he tried to pass that off as the Yes. Truth. You have like a healthy, well-adjusted person who is, like, well-respected by everyone who knows her, who has a, all her life's together, and she's seeing her friends, and she's happy, and she's having a good time, and there's no reason for her to attack her boyfriend in her friend's house. Also, um, I want to point out the fact that earlier I told you she had 37 stab wounds. That's not what happens when you're just, like, afraid, where you've been attacked, and now you're like, I have to self-protect myself. No. Exactly. That's, no. That's overkill. Yeah. No. We don't believe you, Carr. Also, um, I don't think most people do. So, in addition to the fact that this story is just absolutely ludicrous, which I feel like all of us can agree on unless you're related to him, the prosecution pointed out that Carr handles knives for a living. That's his literal job. His actual job was making knives and swords and also shields, but still. Knives and swords, y'all, that was his literal job. That's what he did all day long was make knives and swords and sell them. So they pointed out that he wouldn't have this, like, really bad fear response to just seeing a knife because he was around knives all day. Like, he's very adjusted to knives. It's kind of like if you're a vet and you see a dog barking, you're not going to be like, oh, my God, dog. I personally am kind of afraid of dogs, just being real. So when a dog barks at me, it's very scary. Even if it's a little dog, I, like, kind of am like, Ugh. I mean, I still like dogs. I just am afraid of them. But, I mean, if you are a vet and you're used to having a dog bark at you because they don't want to have to be at the vet, you're not going to be like, oh, my God, every time a dog barks at you. This is a, This is a good comparison. That's a very good I just good thought comparison. of this as we're talking about it. Yep. And I think that that's what the prosecutor was trying to go for, that he wouldn't just, like, see a knife and freak out. Also, the prosecutor argued that because he used knives all the time, was constantly handling them, that he would be better at murdering with a knife. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but they did, like, suggest it. I mean, it makes sense. The trial lasted just three days, which feels short, but that's how long it lasted. And at the conclusion of the trial, the jury found Carr guilty of murder. Yay. Yay. I think we all thought he was going to be found guilty, though. Yeah. Just because of the level of blood evidence everywhere and the knife that he was still holding when they found him. Like, he literally still had the murder weapon in his hand 
when they why don't you just play guilty man like yeah that would have been the better yeah the better, or tell a very yeah. better story like maybe you were just really drunk that day that would still be bad you're still going to jail but that's less irritating than this self-defense lie that we're being forced to listen to exactly after his conviction in September 2016, a judge sentenced Carr to life in prison and a fine of $10,000. Carr appealed his conviction on the grounds that the judge let in photographic evidence they shouldn't have. These photos were pictures of swords and knives that Carr made for his business, and he claims this prejudiced the jury. Now, the transcript from this part of the trial is in the appeal, and it's kind of funny. Because the defense and the prosecutors are both trying to ask about these swords. And the, the prosecutor is essentially like, like, where are these swords? And the defense is just going like, what is the point of these pictures? <laughs> and the judge is like, yeah, what's the point of these pictures? The prosecution's like, he likes swords. It's not, it's not exactly what it says, but it's, it's like on the level. It's pretty funny. That's funny. Anyway, I mean, it's as funny as it's going to get in the court trial. i be serious. Yeah. So the appeals court looks at this and decides that it's fine that the court let the pictures in. They ruled against him, partially because he talked about his career at making swords. So that like kind of opens the door for it. But also it was like slightly related to the case and also... The evidence against him was overwhelming, and they decided that the pictures of him with swords and knives did not, like, sway the jury. Yeah. It's not like he killed them with those knives. Like, this was somebody else's knife. That's true. He is currently serving his prison sentence for murder. Good. And I'm sure if he has any more appeals left, though, he's going to try that again. I'm sure he will. Meanwhile, Kelly's family and friends are left going on without her, and several of them spoke to the media about her kindness and bright smile. A friend and ex-boyfriend of Kelly Turner named Eric Banasik, which I do worry that I said wrong and I'm so sorry, talked about her to CBS Austin. He told them that she was attracted to men who needed help and she didn't like giving up on people. And he suspected that's why she'd stay with Carr even though he didn't treat her the best. It's just sad that she lost her life in such a horrible way when all she wanted to do was love. And that's what made me want to cover her case. Also, Kelly's case is our last Halloween episode, and I hope that I haven't scared everyone off from the holiday. <laughs> I mean, we've had people killed on their walk home from parties, people killed while trick-or-treating, although that was on the Patreon. People killed when they were just sleeping on the streets for Halloween. In this case, someone killed by a close family member or their partner in this case. After a Halloween party, we've had so many different versions of attacks and horrible things that could happen on Halloween. And I still want to say that I love the holiday and I'm still excited for it. I hope that you are too. I hope I haven't put you off too much, people of, of Bad Axe Podcast, all of our baddies, as I have referred to you in our stuffs. That's right. I hope you have a great holiday weekend. This is actually our last episode of the first year of podcasting that's correct yeah our podcast one year anniversary is on november the 2nd woot 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 which is a tuesday so uh we are so happy that you've been with us during this first year if you are listening to this when it came out you're one of the first Mm -hmm. like slews of of crime peoples that like us and we appreciate you absolutely we are so excited about having you listen also If you're still listening, person who listens from Lubbock, I'm really sorry for crapping all over Lubbock in the Lubbock episode earlier this month. And I felt bad because I, like, wasn't thinking about people in Lubbock listening to it. (laughs) I normally don't like making fun of stuff. 
And so I saw I saw we have a listener who's been tuning in from Lubbock on our locations. And I thought, oh, no, I'm sorry, Lubbock person. They're going to be like listening like, oh, hey, Lubbock. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm sorry. Also, I saw today that we have a listener in the capital of Iceland, which is awesome. And I really want to go to Iceland someday. So I was totally looking at pictures of the capital of Iceland. Yeah, it's beautiful, right? It's so pretty. I, yeah. It really is. So I don't know, I thought about doing an Iceland case, but I didn't know if they would be into that. So if you're the Iceland listener and you want to reveal yourself, would you be into that? Because I thought maybe we should we should do like a case from all the places that listen to us that we haven't already done something. Also, uh, as a last like one year coming up thing, I have discovered that obviously we have a lot of listeners from the Houston area because that's where we are based. But our top listening city, do you want to guess what it is? You get one guess, Aaron. What do you think it is? Top listening city for Bad Axe Podcast. Is it Columbus, Ohio? It is. How did you know that? Okay. How did you possibly know that? We've talked about the statistics, and I knew that there and I, and I thought I remembered that. And like okay. my, my memory came through for me. Oh my god! I knew that there was a I knew that there was a community where we had like a, a lot yes. of listeners concentrated, and I was thinking Columbus and my memory I cannot came believe through you, for me. I can't believe you knew that because like I thought you were never going to guess it. Yes, Columbus, Ohio. So if you are the Columbus, Ohio people, hello. Thank you for listening. There's like a lot of you for some reason and I'm so grateful that we're like doing a whole thing in Columbus. We're going to have to visit Columbus to see how cool it is. It's That's probably right. really cool because we've got cool people living there. Absolutely. I'm just throwing that out there. we got the best people. Alright, well, thank you for listening to the whole past year of podcasts next year is going to be even bigger we're going to have a lot of cool stuff going on ideally that's what we're going for absolutely it's going to be a great year yeah i'm still trying to edit that one podcast episode that we filmed for youtube (laughs) uh i ran into the problem of it's on zoom and i've never like edited a zoom video and so that's where it's all been hung up with like i'm trying to edit it and it's resistant to that and apparently there's programs you can do it easily in but i don't have i don't know what program like i just see all these people who do teaching zoom and they're like yeah like to do your lessons you just clip it clip it and i'm like why is mine not clip i think maybe you have to have like professional zoom maybe i don't know but regardless i'm gonna find out hopefully we can get it edited and i might just start filming them in the future on like a separate camera with the microphone I just worried about editing the sound and the video together because I used to make videos, but I never used like a separate sound. Like I used to make little films. So like I know how to edit them in like, I used to use Premiere, but anyway, so maybe we'll figure out how to do that for next year and bring you some video content. Yay! Yay! All right, well, have a happy and safe Halloween weekend. Also, I'm sorry if you want more content. I forgot to tell you about the Patreon. We have our Patreon account, and it has a couple of extra Halloween shows for this month, but also a lot of bonus content for months back that you can binge. And there is a link to our Patreon in our show notes. It's just patreon.com backslash badaxpod. I try to save our most exciting cases for the Patreon, so you'll probably like what's over there. We also are on social media. I have been neglecting the social media this last couple of weeks because I've been so busy with murder mysteries. I just have not had any free time at all. And I've been crushed under the weight of my responsibilities until like the end of this week. And 
ideally we'll be back. We are really active on Instagram usually, so that's the best place to follow us. But we do have a Facebook and a Twitter as well. And as people start joining the Facebook, I'll start posting there again. Gmail, if you want to email us, you can email us at badaxpod at gmail.com. Uh, no one's actually done it yet, even though I've, I have gotten a lot of emails from other things. I've not gotten any from you, so if you want to send us an email, do that. Also, we have a website. Aaron, website time? Yes, what the website is great. It's got a very uh, holiday-appropriate uh, holiday picture of a tree. Uh, it's badaxpod.com. Go give it a, go give it a look. Yes, excelente. Uh, we are recording this very late this week, and so we are about to go watch the Astros in the World Series. Yay! So, yay! We're so excited! We know a lot of you are probably hating on us right now. We understand that, but we are so excited! Yeah, And we, we hope he wins. So, there we go. Yay! Yay! All right, we'll see you soon. Happy Halloween. Bye-bye. Bye!